Thank you so very much. Appreciated that. Thankful to be free. Amen. If you're not free, I want you to know you can be. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm, I wonder if any of you do any banking. Anybody, anybody put money aside in case you need it for later? Well, I want you to know your pastor believes in banking time. And last week I was really short, and I may make a withdrawal on savings this morning. Some of you find that humorous, and some of you find that terrifying. <laughs> I see how late it is already. It's not, and if I only, if I preach my normal 45 minutes, hmm, well... We'll see how the Lord leads us. I take no responsibility for how late you get out. <laughs> you say, whose fault is it? I'm not, sure. I'm not going to blame anybody. I'm just going to, just, it's just, it just is. This morning, I have a rather lengthy portion of scripture. In fact, I'm reading the entirety of the chapter. So I'm going to allow you to remain seated. Normally, I ask you to stand in order to give God's word honor, but I know you can honor his word sitting, but uh, I don't want any of, I don't want to weary the saints or have them fall, pass out. If I do go long this morning, just remember, I'm not preaching tonight, so I don't know if that helps me or not, but 2 Corinthians chapter 4, therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine unto them." For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and over, I'm sorry, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall rise us up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might be the thanksgiving of many Redound unto the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, 
which is but for a moment, worketh for us a forever more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not to the things which are seen, but at the things which are seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these words of Paul. Thank you for, uh, for the gift of, of truth this morning. Thank you, Lord, that the light has shined out of darkness and these blinded eyes were made to see. We ask this morning that you would anoint us one more time, that we might rightly divide the word of truth, that you might be glorified and honored in it, for you alone are worthy. We ask these things in your precious, perfect name. Amen. Story goes that a boxer had made his way into the ring in the first round and it didn't go well for him. He was getting beat up pretty bad and just before the bell rang, he got knocked down and he was staggered up and fortunately the bell rang and the end of round one had come and, and uh, he made his way back to, to his corner. He knew he had lost that round and and uh, he was feeling pretty bad about it, but his trainer was over there, and he says, way to go, you're, you're out there, you're really getting them. He says, that, uh, that, uh, that guy hasn't even laid a glove on you. The boxer was a little perplexed by that, but, but he went out there at the bell, and he began fighting in round two, and he got knocked down not just once, but he got knocked down the second time. And he, if it wasn't for the bell, he probably would have been counted out. In that second round, and he made his way back to the, to the corner. He was, he was doing pretty bad at that point, feeling pretty beat up, and his trainer was, was encouraging him and says, you're doing great out there. You're, you're really going at it. That guy has not been able to lay a glove on you. You go out there and get him. And the, the boxer looked over at his trainer, and he said, he said, I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to get him, but you keep an eye on that referee because someone's sir beating me up. <laughs> You ever feel like that sometimes? Feel like you're, you're giving it all you have and, and you're fighting and you're trying to do what's right. And it feels like you're getting beat up anyways. And you're trying to, you're trying to live right. You're trying to, to please God. You're trying to do everything that, that you're supposed to do. But it just isn't working out the way you'd hoped. You know, it, sometimes it, one of my favorite times of, of, of a church service is the testimony time. But sometimes testimonies can make you feel smaller instead of better. Sometimes people might say something while you're in the midst of a hard time that they don't have any problems, that, that all their troubles are nailed to the cross. And you're like, my troubles must be made out of jello because they keep getting off. We struggle and we battle and we fight and we do our best to be able to, to make it. Sometimes you hear about great answers to prayer and we've had some excellent answers to prayer. I've enjoyed our testimony time, but, but you know, sometimes it seems like we, pr we pray and it feels like we're the lost sheep and we're bleeding out in the darkness and no one can hear us and no one's coming for us except for maybe the wolves. 
feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? You listen for the voice of the shepherd calling your name. You listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit trying to sense his movement in your life, his activity in your life. And it feels like he's not moving and he's not doing anything. And you feel all alone, lost and scared. And you know you do an inventory. You know you do a spiritual inventory to see if you've messed up. You try to look, at, you know, and, and you know what happens sometimes is we start, we start picking at our own life. Well, maybe I should have, uh, you know, maybe I'm not reading my Bible right. Maybe I'm, I'm reading it, but, uh, you know, I'm just reading it. I'm not getting anything out of it. Maybe, it. maybe that's why God's not speaking to me. Or, You know, my prayer life has been pretty selfish. I've been asking God for a lot of things. I, maybe, maybe my praying isn't just right. And, you know, we start picking at ourselves. At least I do. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just not doing the well, as well as I should, and, and we start second-guessing ourselves. I want you to know that as long as there have been Christians, there have been Christians with problems. None of us are exempt I wish we were. Sometimes I just, I just wish that, that, you know, we'd get saved and, and all of our problems would disappear. And, and uh, certainly you would think the self-inflicted problems would go away, right? But for some reason, when we get saved, we don't suddenly become wise. I wish that would go hand in hand. And I think sometimes for those that have been in the journey for a while, we forget that salvation and purity of heart does not equal maturity. There's a difference between maturity and purity. And we forget. And we can sometimes, as older saints, those that have been in the way for a while, we can say some things that might hurt some, some junior saints. Because we forget. Some of us, we just, you know, we just get beat up, don't we? Just get beat up emotionally, physically, spiritually. You know, I remember as a kid, you'll have to forgive this illustration, but I grew up in a home that had television, and we, there, was a, there was an advertisement that just sticks out to me this morning. Timex Watches. The Timex is, was a, is, a, is a watch that, that had, a, had this phrase, the, the, the slogan as a kid was, takes a licking and keeps on ticking. Ke- takes a licking and keeps on ticking. And uh, I understand, I did, tried to do a little bit of research, but I understand that in some of the commercials in the 70s, that's before my time, especially young people, um, I wasn't born until the 80s. 
But they would take these watches and they would attach them to uh, perhaps a, an ice skate blade. Or they would attach them to perhaps the, the fins on a, on a motor in a boat and run that thing and try to abuse. Uh, they did all sorts of, uh, uh, in their commercials, all sorts of abuses to their watches. And they would hold it up and it would still be ticking. Do you know what? Sometimes we feel like that watch that keeps getting abused by the advertising agency. There's no reason to abuse us. We're a good watch. Why are you doing this? But you know what makes a Christian different than the world? Is when we take the abuse, we keep on ticking. We keep on ticking. When all the world's against us, we keep going. When all, everything seems to be going in reverse, we go forward. And if we can't go forward, we, we, just, we just stand where we are and we refuse to budge. And if we f- end up falling down, we fall forward. Christians are different than the world, aren't they? And people look at us and they say, well, how, how can you do that? How, 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 how is it that a Christian can keep on going? How is that possible that we can keep on going when we are so under duress? First of all, we have a firm foundation. You know, there's a lot of things people put as, make as their foundation and they make their trust and their confidence in. Aristotle said that he, every object that fell in gravity, it would fall different rates based on how heavy it was. And Aristotle was considered by the most, most people to be the smartest person who ever was. And for hundreds, even over a thousand years, people believed it. That things that weighed different fell at different rates. Well, Galileo didn't believe that. And so what he did is he got a whole bunch of people together, scientists and smart people. He got them together and and he went up on the the Tower of Pisa and he took a 10-pound ball and a 1-pound ball and dropped them at the same time and they hit the ground at the same time. And do you know what the people said? We don't believe our eyes. We believe Aristotle. They did. We don't believe what we just saw. There was some kind of trick. There's something going on. We don't know what happened. We believe Aristotle. You put your faith in man and you will be disappointed. You will. Aristotle, for all of his genius and all of his smarts, I don't know how he came up to that conclusion. I don't know if he used the bowling ball, if they bowled in those days, and a feather. I don't know what he did to come up to his conclusion that that things that weigh differently would fall at a different rate of speed, but because he came up to that conclusion for hundreds of years, nobody even put it to the test. They just believed it because someone said it. 
that they put their confidence in. And this is what Paul tells us. He says, don't believe another gospel even if it's preached by an angel. That's right. Amen. And do you know what? We live in a culture, we live in a world where we will follow any gospel that fits with our preconceived notions, our preconceived wants and desires. And do you know what? We will find someone who will preach what we want to hear It's amazing to me that, uh, that educated, educated individuals who should know better use the Bible to prove things that the Bible never says. And they just, they deceive the people. It's one of the reasons why I try to stick so close to the Word of God why you, I, you get long scripture readings from me. Paul put his confidence, you can see it in those first few verses when he talks about, I preach Christ. I don't mishandle the word of God. I preach the truth. I preach Christ. My foundation is Christ. Don't put your confidence in Paul. Don't put your confidence in, in Timothy or Titus. Don't put your confidence in, in Peter. Don't put your confidence in an angel. Don't put it in some Saint uh, Teresa or, or Saint Andrew or Saint Mary or Saint Joseph. Any of those people, don't put your confidence in a person. Put your confidence in Christ, in Christ alone. Whenever you put your confidence in man, you will be disappointed. You will be. There's not ever lived a man who has not had flaws. And if you don't think that that person has flaws, ask if you can move in. If I gave my wife equal time and asked her to come up here and list my flaws, I would probably have to run out of here embarrassed. And we can chuckle at that, but you don't want your spouse up here either, do you? <laughs> Look at those fervent shakes of the head. <laughs> We're flawed, aren't we? And yet Paul was able to say, follow me even as I follow Christ. Folks, we've got to be able to say that. We've got to be able to say that to our children and to our young people. We need to be able to say that to the junior saints if, we have been the, if we're a more seasoned saint. We need to be able to say that. We need to be living our lives in such a way because you know what? Whether or not we ask them to or whether or not we say that, they will. They will. Some not only put their trust in men, but others put their trust in their money. 2008, we had the Great Recession. And those of you that had investments, you lost money that time, probably, most likely. I have a friend that lost his entire retirement. Everything he had saved for retirement, he lost it in the Great Recession of 2008. I can't imagine working your entire life for something, saving carefully, self-denial, 
not going out to eat to put so you could put a little extra money in the retirement and then a one day or just a very short time anyways lose it all but what but what has gone largely unreported is that between Europe and North America it is believed that there were 5,000 more people who committed suicide that following year than the year previous. 5,000 more people. In the United States, there was a suicide, the suicide rate jumped the, the, the year after by 9% among men. In some of the European Union, suicide rate went up by 14%. You know what? That'll happen when your foundation falls out from underneath of you. I'm not here to criticize or condemn those that, that lost that money. I'm not even here to even criticize and condemn those that, that felt so hopeless that that's what they had to do. All I'm trying to help us to understand is when your foundation isn't Christ, you will be disappointed. You'll be disappointed. A lot of places make a lot of promises. We made a, I made a purchase some time ago. The product had a forever warranty. Isn't that nice? Don't you like forever warranties? When you know it broke. So I went to the, to the website. That, this was how we were told that we were supposed to, to, to do it. We went, I went to the website. I filled out the form, did everything I was supposed to do. They said they would contact us. It has been well over a month. I still have not received any information, any contact. They are probably not going to fulfill their forever warranty. Am I upset? I, a little bit. I'm a little bit annoyed. I chose that product be over some other products because of that warranty. Thankfully, I'm not counting on it. It's not going to be the end of the world or anything like that. It's not a great loss. But their promise doesn't mean anything. Their promise doesn't mean anything. You know, some people not only put their trust in, in men and put their trust in money, but some put their trust in their own might, their own power. You know, there's, that is a recipe for disaster, but we, I would say probably, I'm just being honest, from my own perspective, from my own experience, this is the hardest one for me to get over. I want to fix it. I want to be in control. I want, I want to be the one that, that figures it out. It's really hard for me to give it to God and just leave it in His hands. I want to get my hands in it. And if I do give it to the Lord, I want to tell him how to fix it. You ever do want to do that? I remember the Lord, when the Lord started dealing with me on this silliness, and it really is silly. Like the Lord needs my advice. I remember we were, we were, we were in a, time, a real hard time financially, just really hard time financially. And so I remember I went to the Lord in prayer and I said, Lord, I really, really need, I don't remember how much money it was, several hundred dollars. 
We really need this money. Could you help there to be some kind of work? Could you help us to find some kind of something that we can do to earn this money? Because we're in a, we're in a real, really rough spot. And do you know that within like a day or two, instead of sending work, the Lord sent a check? <laughs> and he answered the prayer. He met the need. But as I got the check and I looked at it, I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, I do things my way. I do things my way. And there are times that he sends work. But I thought I had to tell the Lord that I, that I was willing to earn it, that I, wanted, that, you know, I wasn't looking for a handout. But God handles things the way he wants to and in his wisdom. I wish I could tell you that I've, that I've perfectly walked in the light of this, but every once in a while, the Holy Spirit just has to remind me, I've got this. I've got this. You put it in my hands, and then you keep your nose out of it. But Lord, I've I, 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 I got to get my hands in there. I've got I to be a part of the solution. as silly as asking the doctor if you can be part of the surgery team to work on you. It really is. God says, just lay back and let me do it in my way. That isn't to say that he may not give you responsibility. That isn't to say that he won't tell you that you've got to make a a restitution, or you've got to say uh, you're sorry, or, or, or even work, or whatever the case might be. That isn't to say that God may not include you in on it, but simply that you've got to allow God to do it His way and in His time. Paul had a firm foundation. He believed, he put his trust and his confidence in Christ. And when he was persecuted and when he was distressed and when he was pushed under and when he was going through all sorts of, of, of problems, he ran to his firm foundation and not to the things that failed. Their firm foundation. Not only did Paul have a firm foundation, but he had a focused faith. He had a focused faith. He believed God. Now, I suppose it would be easy for us to, to get caught up in thinking that this is the same thing. You know, if we, if we have our foundation in Christ, that it's the same thing. But it isn't. It isn't. Because, you see, we can make Christ our foundation, but if we're not careful, we can start doubting Him. You know, we can, we can I'm going to stand on God's Word, I'm going to stand on His truth, I'm going to stand on, on, on what I believe is, is right, I can, I'm going to stand here, and then when the problems come, when the waves start crashing in on us, all of a sudden, whoa, 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 I'm getting off the foundation. 
I'm, I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to do something else. I, uh, this, is, this is scary. You know, it is scary. Those disciples that were in the boat in the midst of the storm, they were terrified. And I'll just be honest with you this, this morning. If I'm on a boat in a storm, I'm probably going to be terrified. But do you know what's really going to cause me to panic? is when the, the people that know sailing, the fishermen of the group, when they start panicking, there's a good chance that I'm going to start panicking then too. You know, it's, it's one thing. You can imagine if you're on an airplane and the, over, the, you know, over the speaker, the, this is your captain speaking. We've had a, a slight mechanical problem. We're going to turn around and go, home, uh, go back to the airport. Nothing to worry about. Everybody just stay calm. We're just going to turn around. A little nervous little nervous, but if it gets on there and say, everyone buckle up, we're going to crash. <laughs> you know what's going to happen? You're going, you're going to be praying. <laughs> you're going to be whipping out your cell phone and calling your loved ones and telling them that you miss them, that you love them and, and that you, that, that if you don't see them again, that you, that you want them to know that you really love them, aren't you? You might not do anything if we're just turning around, a slight mechanical error, nothing to worry about, but if the panic if you see the stewardesses start moving around quickly and they start getting in their seats and you can tell that there's an edge in their voice, you're going to get panicky. These people know what they're doing. If you're afraid of flying, I'm sorry for this illustration. It's really not that bad. I've never had this happen. The demeanor of those that have been there and done that many, many, many times tells us the rest of us novices, how to, how to, and those, and those landlubbers, Matthew, the tax collector, sees Peter, James, and John, who grew up, they've been, they, they, they spent the first day of their life on a boat. I mean, dad, I mean, that baby was born, and as soon as dad could, he got that kid on a boat. And if Peter, James, and John are terrified, I guarantee you, Matthew was terrified. He probably was terrified long before they were. I think it's interesting it's Peter that gets out of the boat and walks on the water to Jesus. He knows the sea. And even in his panic and in the midst of his fear, he's got enough faith to call out to the Lord. I'm not surprised that it wasn't Matthew. I suspect Matthew had tied himself to the mast because that's what I would have done. Paul says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. You know, earthen vessels are weak. They're easily broken. A lot of times they're not very pretty. But you know what? I didn't bring them this morning. I thought about it. 
I had two pop cans this morning, and one was unopened and full, and the other was opened and empty, which one would be easier to crush? The empty. So oftentimes, we try to go through a world that is trying to crush us empty without the empowering of the Holy Spirit, without the strength of God indwelling us, and the world comes along and just crush. But when we hold on to our faith, and we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, folks, this is why we preach on holiness and about getting sanctified, getting filled up with the Holy Spirit, because when the world comes along to crush you, the power of God that resides within us prevents the world from being able to stomp us down. Amen. Same can. But one's empty and relying on its own strength and another that's full. Your vessel, your body will be crushed under the weight of this world. If it's empty. It will be. And I'll be honest with you, even with the power of God indwelling us, there are times that we feel the weight and the pressures of the world so great that we wonder if it might crush us. But it doesn't. It doesn't. Paul didn't rely on just his own strength, his own earthen vessel. Folks, his vessel was battered and beaten up. He'd been whipped so many times. He had been beaten with rods so many times. He'd been stoned, left for dead. Many Many theologians believe that Paul had a very broken body. We don't picture him that way, but he, he probably was bent over. How many bones were broken when they stoned him? Well, they didn't have the medical technology today, or then as they, we do today. In fact, one of the arguments against Paul was that he wasn't much to look at. You'd think someone who's preaching in the power of God would, and, and is able to heal people would have a whole body himself, but he doesn't. We don't know what his thorn in the flesh was. Some think his poor eyesight, but it could have been a limp from a bone that didn't heal right. A broken hip that didn't heal right. A back that always aches from the tra repeated trauma that he's received. The world tried to crush him. The world tried to crush him. Shipwrecked. What was he, three days at sea? 
Most people would have collapsed under that kind of weight. But he was full. He was full. And because he was full, it didn't matter what harm was done to the earthen vessel on the outside. What was on the inside held him up. And folks, you say, I'm not as strong as Paul was. I, 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 I'm not arguing with you. I'm not as strong as Paul was. You say, I don't have the same giftedness as Paul. I agree, I don't either. But what we do have is we have the same God who's willing to be inside of us, filling up yours and my earthen vessel. That same God that held Paul up in the midst of his world crushing down on him is the same God who wants to fill us up so when the world steps on us that we stand true. We have the same God. And we don't have to collapse under the weight of the world when it's on our shoulders. Paul said he had a firm foundation. He said that he had a focused faith. But I want you to know that he had a forever, a forever focus. He looked to eternity. He looked to eternity. He said, compared to this life, it's compared to what, uh, to what we are going to be receiving when we get to glory, the afflictions of today are light. And you know what? When we're going through the hard times, they don't feel light. I, I, I want to say to Paul, what are you saying, this light and momentary affliction? You're the one that's gotten beaten up how many times? You've been stoned and left for dead. You've been shipwrecked. You've been, what are you talking about, light and momentary? I looked at Adam Clark. I wanted to figure out what this was going on here. And this is what Adam Clark says. He says, you can't understand. There's no way to translate this. But what Paul is doing here is he's saying there is no hyperbole great enough. There's no, there's no differential great enough to help us to understand the difference between how light the affliction of today is and how glorious the glory is when we get there. He says... It'd be like trying to compare the weight of a grain of sand to the weight of the whole world. And he says that isn't even an extreme great enough to be able to help us to understand what Paul is trying to say. He says what you're facing, your problems, your situation, the thing that weighs you down so much, the, what, the glory that you're going to have in that day is going to be so outweigh it there's not even a way to measure the difference. You can't measure the difference. But you know what? It's hard. It's hard now. It's hard now. It's, it, 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 what do you mean? What do, what do you mean? What, how, how does this work? You know, so oftentimes we go through situations and people will say, it's meaningless or senseless. It was a senseless death. Uh, 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 it, it, 
This tragedy is meaningless. I want you to know that Paul doesn't say that our trials are meaningless. He says that they are working. That our trials, our pain, our suffering, our afflictions are working. What are they doing? It's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. It's working on our behalf. These trials that you and I wouldn't choose, the reason God allows them is that somehow, some way, that God is somehow making that an eternal weight of glory over there. Every moment of pain while you walk in this pathway of obedience is doing something eternal that you and I can't see yet. But it's doing something marvelous. It's working for us, creating this weight of glory. This weight of glory over here that I can't see yet. I can't experience it yet. But it's somehow, it's going on before. It's somehow producing some kind of weight of glory. And every moment of pain today is working for my glory. And it's working for your glory. That problem that you're facing today, I want you to know it's not meaningless. It's working the cancer that so many we were praying for, and that cancer isn't meaningless. It's working for glory. That criticism that you've experienced, that hurt that you received, that, that rejection that, that you've experienced, I want you to know it's not meaningless. It's working. It's working this morning. Those disappointments, you got passed over for promotion. You got uh, left out of the group. You're suffering a heartache, the passing of our loved ones. All these things are not meaningless. They're working for an eternal weight of glory. And folks, if you believe it, it will help hold you steady in the midst of it. But if you believe it's meaningless, you'll be crushed. If you believe it's worthless, if you believe that this trial doesn't work for in your benefit and your favor, you'll be crushed under it. Victor Frankel, our by Sunday school class will know this. I, I shared it a couple weeks ago. But Victor Frankel was a Jew in a, in the midst of Nazi Germany. In fact, he was a uh, from. Uh, Austria, he survived four different concentration camps. And he was a psychologist, and he developed what's called logotherapy. But this, of course, in the concentration camps, you would, you would be surprised to hear this, but there's a lot of people who are depressed. Wouldn't you be too? I think I would be. Separated from your spouse, separated from your children, not knowing whether they were dead or alive. Facing death every day. Starvation, lice. The horrors of concentration camps are they're hard to even imagine. And when you see the pictures of them, it just breaks your heart. If you ever get a chance to go to the Holocaust Memorial and uh, Museum there in Washington, D.C., go. Don't bring little ones, but go. 
you will, you will walk out deeply moved. Victor Frankl wanted to help those that were suicidal. In fact, their suicide rates were really high. That's not something you read in, in uh, history books typically, but there was a lot of suicide that was going on. And Victor Frankl said he wanted to help in that, and so he began to work on this logotherapy, and, he would, and this is what he did, and it's helped depression for, year, for ever since. He says you have to give your suffering purpose. You have to give your suffering purpose. And one of the men came up to him and said, uh, how can I give this suffering purpose? I'm in the midst of a concentration camp. I, I'm facing death every day. How is there purpose? Victor Frankl said, if you commit suicide, you just die. But if the Nazis kill you, it shows the world how evil they are. That man left and didn't commit suicide because he now had a purpose in his suffering. He wanted the world to know how evil and wicked the Nazis were. If the Nazis were going to have to kill him, he wouldn't do it himself. And I want you to know, for the Christian, we already have a purpose. We don't have to work one up. If you need to, to find a purpose, that's fine. But we have a purpose. It's so that we can have an eternal weight of glory. an eternal weight of glory. Timex watches. They take a licking and keep on ticking. And I wonder this morning, I wonder this morning if somehow we could see with our spiritual eyes, I wonder if we'd see how beat up some that are sitting near us are. Life's been hard. Scuffs and scrapes and dings and dents. We might be surprised at those that we think are doing okay. How beat up they are. And yet they keep sweet and they keep true. That's the kind of Christian I want to be. Not saying we can't ever get discouraged or disappointed. I was actually disappointed in my Bible. They, the, the heading for this passage was, Paul never gets discouraged. I thought, what, what a terrible thing to put in the Bible. That was not inspired of God. We get discouraged. We get beat up. There are times when I don't know how we're going to make it through the day and we're not looking forward to facing tomorrow either. And sometimes we don't even know how we made it through yesterday. But if we'll hold on to the firm foundation of Christ, if we'll keep our faith and keep our focus on eternity, I believe we can make it. We can make it. And whatever the world throws at us and whatever God allows us to endure, whatever disappointments and discouragements come along, we'll keep running the race. Walter Payton, 
is a Hall of Fame running back, the NFL. And on one particular Monday night broadcast, one of the announcers said that Walter Payton had just crossed nine miles for his career. He had ran nine miles for his career. And the announcer, the other announcer said, yeah, and he kept getting knocked down every four and a half yards. What was the key? Walter Payton got back up and he picked up the ball again and ran it again. They knock him down four and a half yards later and he'd get up and he'd run the football again. Until at that point in his career, he had run nine miles. He took a licking, but he kept ticking. And if someone can do that for a corruptible prize, folks, how much more for us who are running for an incorruptible prize? I know it feels like you're getting knocked down every four and a half yards. Maybe it seems like even less. But I want you to know if you'll get up and you'll keep going, you'll earn that reward. And he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Oh, that God would help us each one to be a Timex. Christian. Let's stand together. Amen. Cameron, would you dismiss us in prayer?